Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing? Let's begin. Hey, gents. Welcome to another episode of Apex Masculinity, a high-performance men's coaching outfit designed to help you show up strong in every area of life. Raising the bar in fatherhood, marriage, finance, business, health, and all things manly. Gentlemen, let's begin. All right, guys, my guest with me today is Anthony Glover. He's a mindset and personal empowerment coach, uh, former E-5 petty officer, gunner's mate in the Navy. He also works in uh, recruiting for aerospace and defense, talent acquisition. Anthony, glad to have you on, brother. How are you doing today? Outstanding, Nick. Glad to be here, man. Thank you. Awesome, bro. Well, keeping on par with the uh, show, man, just kind of walk us through your past, bro, and uh, some of the things you've dealt with and gone through, and then we'll get on a trajectory of what you're doing today. Sure, sure. Yeah, let's do it. So, so let's see, my, my journey in personal development started, I suppose, when I when I first made that decision to enlist, okay, um, I had come up in a pretty good home. Um, military was a part of my family. My grandfather served, uncles, cousins served, things like that. I had um, aspirations at a pretty young age. It was something I was just kind of brought up around. So I had an idea that was a route that I wanted to take um, pretty early on. Pretty good childhood, as I was mentioned before. Um, I got four sisters. I'm number two. So that was fun coming up. I'm the only boy. Childhood was good coming up. Uh, just to, to get right into it, my parents split when I was 12, and we moved. I grew up in Washington State, and moved down here to Denver uh, shortly after my parents split, and that was probably the the big pivotal moment in my life at that point. Um, moved 1,200 miles away from family friends. Uh, Dad became less of a fixture in my life at that point. Um, so I grew up with my mom. We went from a, a normal house on, you know, a little, little lot. It wasn't like we grew up rich or anything like that, but we had a nice, uh, decent house coming up and then moved down to a, not the greatest area of town here in Denver into a, into a, um, you know, from that point on, I was trailer park living with single mom. Uh, so, so lifestyle and everything like that, everything just kind of, kind of changed at that point. I didn't really deal with it that well. Um, I didn't know it was depression at the time, but it was um, sleeping all the time, you know, acting out, anger, all this. Uh, started drinking when I was about 12, uh, partied through high school, smoked some weed, stuff like that. Typical high school stuff, if you ask me. Um, played sports. Um, I was the guy who, uh, in school, I could do the work. I just chose not to. I would help other people out with their homework and I'd screw my own off. You know what I mean? So I, I, I barely ended up graduating at that point. I never I never really got a chance to play sports uh, because I was always on the the uh, academic list. Right, right. So I could, I could practice, but but game time was a, was a little bit different. Sitting on the bench, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, but I graduated high school and did my own thing from there. I had aspirations to be a, a personal trainer at that point too. Fitness has always been a part of my life. Um, that we'll, we'll talk more about that as well. Personal development though, to cut the long story short, 
that uh, that started as soon as I decided to enlist. I had been partying for a number of years after high school. I was talking with a buddy of mine. Uh, we were sitting on the couch playing video games, smoking and, and uh, doing some other things. Decided that this life wasn't going to get as far. So we needed, needed to maybe make some changes. Um, so we just started talking about the military. And I, 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 to this day, I think I owe this guy my life. Uh, a few weeks later, after we'd had these plans of, hey, what would you do? He decided he wanted to be a Navy uh, uh, Army Ranger. I said, I would join the Navy and, and, and go for the SEAL teams. Um, so if you can imagine two guys that have been partying and drinking, not doing shit with their lives for years, we have all, all of a sudden got these aspirations to be one percenters. Right. right. Um, he called me out a couple of weeks later, called me out a couple of weeks later. He said, hey, man, did you ever get down to the recruiter's office or are you just all talk? Um, called me out. Nice. And, and the next day I went down to the recruiter's office and I started the process. Mm -hmm. And um, that that was uh, kind of life changing there. Um, he didn't make it. Uh, he uh, had his own legal issues, things like that. He didn't get on. He didn't get accepted for, with the army. Um, and uh, rest in peace, Ryan. A couple of years later, after I had um, enlisted and I had been in, he ended up uh, he ended up killing himself. And I, I think that um, that impacted me a lot. Of course, um, I'd known this guy since early in high school. Um, we'd run and gun together and, uh, for, he had that huge impact in my, in the trajectory of my life. And, um, I never got to talk to him towards the end. Um, and what, the way I see it as I, I, without having spoken directly to him, the impression that I got is he just ran out of options or or he thought that he ran out of options. Yeah. The, the routes that he were, he was trying to take close to him yeah and unfortunately he met his end on that you know yeah um, no, that, that deserves to be camped on for a minute bro as you're unpacking your story because my cousin 20 years ago bro we were born a week apart best friends dude we were in a band together obviously we partied together and uh he had a severe alcohol problem and he ended up going to county jail for it finally and they left him in there for like eight months and he was a little guy bro and uh, I know that the mindset of the people in that jail were just all rough and violent and hateful, you know. And when he got out, bro, he swore to me that he'd never, ever go back. And I thought, great, man, that means you're going to, like, make some changes or whatever. I didn't realize exactly what he meant by it. He was on a better trajectory for a little bit. But being in a dead-end town, surrounded by the same toxic people, alcohol began to creep back into his life to the point where he had failed a couple sobriety tests with his probation officer. And uh, it got to the point where it was like, all right, dude, like we're fixing to send you back. And in a moment of like drunken finality, he put a 22 revolver to his chest and pulled the trigger, put a single bullet in his heart, bro. I remember going to the morgue with his mom and dad, like the following morning to like view the body, bro. And there was just two little tiny drops of blood right next to the right next to the entry wound on his chest. And because he got to that same place, bro, I have no other options. Like, there's no option. There's no opportunity for me. This is my next best choice. And I think a lot of men deal with that. Yeah, Absolutely. we can get. Yeah, we can get into that as as we start unpacking these questions and stuff. But um, yeah, so you're in this place. You end up joining the military, right? Yep, I ended up joining. Um, I had a ten month window when I signed the paperwork to when I went to boot camp. I enlisted in the Navy. Um, 
So that gave me 10 months to train. And I signed in, I signed in as a sonar technician and uh, met with the social, uh, not social, the uh, special warfare motivators. Um, so because I had aspirations again to be a Navy SEAL, so I got linked up with the, the coaches and motivators there. Um, my first test, I think I did like 20 push-ups. I think I ran a mile and a half in 15 minutes. I might as well have been running backwards. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't swim. Couldn't do a single pull-up, right. you know. <laughs> but uh, for whatever reason, I had um, – they gave me an opportunity to keep training with them. Okay. And so they gave me the the time and the attention and, and put me in with the team to train and train and train and get my scores up until the point where that that's all I did. I stopped. I put the parties down. I put the put the drugs down. Uh, I, I significantly minim, uh, brought my drinking down. I had been in and out of AA for a couple. And I was 19 years old. I went to AA and it was whatever. But so I ended up maxing out my scores. I ended up doing really well. I pulled my head out of my ass, so to speak. I, and I ended up doing really well. Got my stuff together. Um, maxed out my scores. I ended up not landing a contract with the SEALs because of my past. I had had a weed charge that got dismissed um, because they let me plead down to some other non-related, non-moving, non-moving traffic violation or whatever. But the fact that it was in my record as a charge that was dismissed, that they looked at that as as uh, grounds to not, not pass me through. So um, that is what it is. Went into the boot camp, had a successful career. Um, and I had four, uh, did four years in, I say successful, but it was also challenging at the same time, six weeks out of boot camp, I got a DUI in San Diego and almost got sent home. And so again, here's that theme on one hand, I went into boot camp. I was made the, I was promoted to the boot camp recruit division leader, recruit division commander. So I was put in charge of 83 guys. I got meritoriously promoted twice. I went from E1 to E3 in boot camp, six weeks out pinched on a DUI, almost got thrown out because they're like, who's this guy? You just got in here and you're already screwing up. Yeah. Um, went to my disciplinary review board, the senior enlisted guys who used, they used to joke like to make chief, which is your senior enlisted, your E9s, E7 through E9, you pretty much have to have a DUI on your record. They used to joke about <laughs> that shit, right? Right, right. <laughs> so I go in front of these guys. And that's where you I, ask for your E9 position? <laughs> this. Yes. So I'm no, just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> so this is how it goes, right? You just, I'm, I'm, I'm good now. <laughs> Promote to the top. So on one hand, the captain, the commanding officer wanted to send me home. I had demonstrated it enough to my senior leadership to where they're like, give this guy a shot and keep him in. So they pulled whatever strings they did mm -hmm. to convince the captain to keep me in. Only he just hammered me with as much as he could. He maxed out my, my punishment as hard as he could. So, um, Went to an aircraft carrier, long story short, on the East Coast, um, undesignated. So I busted rust and swept decks and pulled mooring lines for, for a while and and uh, was a helmsman on it, on the aircraft carrier for a while. That's probably the coolest thing I ever did was pilot an aircraft carrier in the ocean. Um, but then I, I made it into a gunner's mate as an armorer. Uh, and so I worked on nine mils, small arms, cruiser weapons up to the 50 cal machine gun and operated a mountain. Train the, train the ship's uh, forces on that. Um, but from a fitness standpoint, that that's where fitness and personal development started for me. Okay. Was reading books on military and leadership and going as hard as you can and developing a, a, a mindset of 
you know, this is a double-edged sword for me, is go as hard as you can, as long as you can, so you can't go anymore, you know, or you fall out. Um, I've got my dog here with me. Thanks, baby. We're safe. You're a good dog. Um, so that, that's really where, yeah. So fitness and personal development for me are one and the same. Right. And in my story, I function at my best in all areas of life when my health and fitness are dialed in. And at the same time, when my health and fitness falls off, mm -hmm. I start going back into old habits. You'll find me, you'll probably find me at the bar. Six months later, you'll find me on the street corner somewhere. Yeah. You know, and I'll be back into those old circles, mm -hmm. old patterns, old lifestyle. That's yeah. just been my experience. There's something to that, bro, because working in the old fields up here, this industry is very lucrative, but it's also time consuming. 16 hour days. Some of these guys pound out seven days a week, six weeks straight, and then they get a week off kind of a thing. And all of these other areas of manhood kind of take a back seat while you're um, progressing through your career, making a name for yourself, making money. And there's like a season for it, for sure. Guys will come up here from all over the country when they hear like it's the California gold rush, you know, you can make great money. And like most wages up here start at 25 bucks an hour. And then you're at 45, or I guess that would be 35 by the time you hit overtime and uh, guys do really well, but their health and fitness just fall as a result of it, you know? And for myself, health and fitness had been way in the backseat for a lot of years. And then as part of that, that life coaching program that I enlisted in, I was talking with you about on the warm-up chat there, that really boosted my self-confidence and my self-esteem, not only because I got my blood work lowered to really healthy levels, but it just gives you an opportunity to get stress out. When you start seeing the changes in your strength and in your physique, it boosts your self-confidence. Like as men, like we were created to be fit and strong and dangerous, I believe. What do you think about that? No, I agree. I agree with that 100%. Um there's a, I listened to a podcast, Jocko Willink and, and Jordan Peterson. You're probably familiar with those guys. And, and I really um, latched onto this, my, this uh, conversation that they had is that uh, a safe man is not a good man. A good man is somebody who's willing to do horrible things, but has that under control. He's capable of violence. He's capable of being a warrior. He's mm -hmm. capable of wrecking shit. Mm -hmm but he has that under voluntary self-control. Yeah. I like that. So I, I, I agree with that. You know, we're, we're meant to, um, if you go back to 10,000 years ago, BC war days, we're meant to be war fighters. We're meant to go out and conquer and, and expand and just explore and, and go out into the world. Yeah. And so I, 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 I ascribe to that thought that you're saying yeah absolutely so get out of the military you're are you living in denver still i'm in denver yeah okay uh, a couple years go by you're maintaining your health and fitness and you get to this point where you realize that you're ready to start giving back and contributing and it's like this for a lot of guys it's exactly my same story you you fill up like a sponge on the books the podcast the tech talk videos the seminars the conferences you get your life under control and you get dialed in as a man 
And then you start realizing like there's this internal call to want to reach back into the lives of hurting men or hurting people and offer the tools and the strategies that you've now learned into the lives of other people and start seeing other people rise up and succeed. And there's like this great fulfillment in doing that. So this is where you're at today, right? With your coaching program and, and uh, your journey of, you know, personal, personal development has brought you to this place. Yeah, that's where I'm at now. Uh, and the, the, it's evolving um, who I'm able to reach, who I'm able to help. Um, what you had mentioned is, is it started out, I had this idea a couple of years ago that I wanted to reach out and, and develop, help men develop like what we're talking about. I believe that there's a screaming need of leadership in this world. Absolutely. And the amount of fatherless homes is, is growing mm -hmm. and almost encouraged in our society these days. And so there's nobody leading and developing and guiding men as men. Right. You know? And so I really want, and coming from the, the, um, the background that I did, I wanted to be the, it's, you might be familiar with this phrase, be the person that you needed. Absolutely. Be who you needed for other people. You know, and especially with the things that are going on these days with uh, the, always the constant threat of looming war and the economic and the, the pandemic, however you view all that stuff, is that there's just so much fear and anxiety and people are lost and, and, and it's porn uh, such a huge deal and drugs and alcohol are such a huge deal and everything else like that. And it's, I'm really in that place where, yeah, I want to provide some leadership and guidance and hope to people. Yeah. And it, and it starts for me, it's, it's, it's paired with the personal fitness, personal development mindset. It's all, all the same. Absolutely, bro. I'm noticing a lot of guys have frozen up and hunkered down and they're in play at safe mode. There's a lot of confusion in masculinity and manhood today where because of absent fathers, because of toxic fathers, uh, because of the influence in our society and culture to, and I have, and I got to be careful here because I'm not, I don't want anybody to think that I think women should be disempowered, but it seems like everything in our culture today is geared towards empowering uh, women and men are getting neglected as far as their roles, their leadership roles, and allowing them to feel comfortable with um, reclaiming their masculine strength, their masculine edge, and their masculine power, not to be chauvinistic, misogynistic assholes, but to lead and to succeed. And that's why we do what we do. And I don't say this from a place of arrogance. I'm not a self-absorbed guy. I struggle like probably most men in this space with imposter syndrome. And we'll get into that here in a little bit too. It's one of my questions for you. Um, but you you and I and the other men out there doing this, bro, we're difference makers. And I got to remind that myself that often that, you know, one guy might have a reach of 10,000 guys. Another guy might have a reach of 100. We're all at different places in the journey, but we are making a difference. I have people reach out to me. Uh, often because I included my email um, and I've got my email, my phone number on the website. I included my email in the book 
And I mentioned it on occasion on a podcast and I will get these random people like a couple of weeks ago, this dude in Oklahoma just emailed me out of the blue. And he's like, dude, thank you so much for the book. Like it really helped me understand childhood trauma, what my place is. And it gave me tools for like the next steps on how I can start moving forward, getting myself off drugs and booze and just really dialing my life in. And that right there is worth more than any book sales you know, any, any, any revenue created from coaching programs, just to know that somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, my content has impacted some dude on his journey. I find that powerful. It's, uh, yeah, it's, especially when you've been there, when you know that you can be that lifeline for somebody else and you get that feedback. And that's, that's what keeps me going as well is um, I don't know who's out there watching and not saying anything. Mm. So many times I've just been messaged by somebody who I had no idea was even out there. This specific person reach out to me and say, Hey, I've been watching your stuff. And it's really been helping me out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that to cut, to counteract that imposter syndrome, right? It's like when that negative mind that negative voice, I call it the bitch voice, comes into your head and is mm-hmm. telling you all these negative things, or you're, you maybe you maybe not feel like it that day. You're you're wrecked from a day of work and everything else you have going on in life. And it's, I still have to keep going. It's selfish of me to not keep putting this stuff out there because somebody else out there is where I was five years ago. Right. And oftentimes, and I, I and you mentioned, um, not trying to be an asshole or not trying to be chauvinistic or anything like that. And, and uh, I get fired up in my message sometimes. And sometimes the things that I say, I know sound harsh. What I want anybody out there listening to know is that Oftentimes the attitude I'm taking in my message and my delivery is like I'm talking to myself five years ago with the shit that I needed to hear. I like that, dude. That's, that's who like, and I, when I speak into the phone or the camera or whatever it is, it's like, I, I, I talk myself into this. I'm like, how do I say this? Like I'm talking directly to me or somebody else that I love with this message from five years ago or 20 from years ago. Years ago. Yeah. Yep. The shit that I needed to hear that I wasn't. Now, it's good to hear, bro, because I actually went on a volcanic tirade with my uh, last three podcast episodes. I did one this morning with my wife uh, just because I had a conversation with somebody a while back. And I'm not going to beat this horse very much anymore, but it really led me to uh, understand that like, there is an attack on masculinity, like on proper masculinity. And I understand where the attack is coming from, and I understand why it's being done. But what saddened me more, bro, is that I, when I talked to this person, after the conversation was over, I was like, okay, you know, maybe my own insecurity was at work here. I was like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm missing something. So I went on this deep dive for the last four weeks and started perusing through all these podcasts and books and stuff. And I realized, dude, that there is a lot of garbage out there that will lead men in the wrong direction. And I was so fired up, dude, that like I said, dude, I I was like cussing and livid and like, you know, bashing, you know, like certain groups of people or whatever. And uh, it's good to know that I'm not the only one out there that thinks like this. Um, So let's just dive right in, bro. You've 
got content out there. You've got a coaching program and practice that you're developing, uh, helping helping uh, people rise up and succeed in life. And of course, I, I I have an algorithm on my social media that's friendly to me because I don't, uh, uh, as I said, I, I don't get lost in conspiracy theories. I don't watch a lot of political stuff. I don't wait around till the music stops to see how bigger breasts are or anything like that. I just kind of focus on personal development content. So the algorithm is good to me. It keeps it coming. And I came across your stuff and I'd love to just dive right in and get started with attitude. The determining factor is what you had and that it sets the expectation of success. Talk to us about that if you would. Sure. Um, We are what we think, right? And there's a term that I really like. It's called, is this, where, where focus goes, energy flows. And whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. And that's, that's from Henry Ford, I think, said that a long time ago. So one of the biggest differentiators from people who succeed and, who, and people who fail is a positive expectation of the outcome. Then that comes to visualization. And, it, you know, like athletes, right? An athlete before a game, before a match, before a track race, whatever the case is. I do this in the gym too, before a big lift is all, but before I'm doing anything big is I, I visualize myself successfully completing that. And there's actually science and data and studies being done on this is that when you do that, your brain doesn't know the difference between reality and imagination. So when you do this and you can visualize and you can future predict or visualize a positive outcome, your more, your body just gets in line and acts in line with that. Right. Um, so attitude, positive mental attitude is the number one determining factor of success or failure more so than anything else, even skill set or mental um, ability. Now, that doesn't mean everything's always going to work out. You're not always going to win, right? There's a Kobe or a Mike out there for everybody who's, who's thinking they're going to make it to the top. Right. You know, or, or you line up next to Usain Bolt at the Olympics, right, right. you know, and it just so happens that that's how the chips fall. Right. Right. So, but that, but how you approach the situation, how you enter the situation is going to do loads more for you than if you walk in scared. That's how, how do you think Mike Tyson beat the most? I'll beat a lot of his opponents at some point. You, you walk into the ring already, and he's like, "Damn, it's Mike." Right. Or 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 Tom Brady. When you step on the field, there's there's a there's a seed of doubt in there when you're going up against the greatest, and and right. so by the time you even start out on this on doing this task, whatever it is, before you even suit up, before you get on the field. There's already a seed of damn, can I? Right. Yeah. Right. But then keeping that positive mental attitude even through failure is the next part of that too. Is not everything's always going to be sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. You maybe even seen or heard me say that before, but it's just it's knowing that it's for every negative there's a positive. It's gonna be okay at the end of the day. There's no failure, only feedback. What can I learn from this? How can I learn from this and grow and take this lesson and move forward with 
with me. So maybe next time I have a better shot and I can improve. Mm -hmm. Our relationship to failure is also another big thing in attitude as well. And I find that um, a lot of times I see a lot of folks, and I myself too, is, didn't have a good relationship with failure because failure oftentimes gets internalized. I'm not good enough. I suck. I take that with me. And, and, and for wherever that might come from, maybe we had the over, over demanding or overbearing or, you know, upbringings or, or failure wasn't accepted in your household. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're punished for it. Or, or even as a society, we're punished for failure. Like if you don't get an A, you're a bad student. Right. You know, so we're, we're measured in this success and failure through our lives, even through childhood. And that can have some, some deep seated underlying consequences to how we operate as humans and our attitudes and things like that. So that attitude adjustment, shifting into a positive state, weathering failure, to me, that's, that's the difference maker. It's what keeps us out getting out of bed in the morning yeah. on the days where maybe you're not feeling so great. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a ton written down here and we may, as we go through these, I'm going to be scratching stuff off that like we're kind of hitting on already, but we may revisit these just to go a little deeper from them. Cause the next question I had was how negative expectations become self-fulfilling prophecies. I saw that on your site. And I think you touched on that with how we go into the football game, realizing that we're going up against Tom Brady. And in that moment, we've just prophesied our own failure. Like we just planted that seed. Like you said, what about how negative past experiences can frame our expectancy? Like we have, um, I got a lot of guys that listen to the podcast. I have decided to narrow my niche to guys that are just getting started on their journey, right? I'm not looking for white collar, blue collar, seven figure earner guys to come to this podcast and like hear strategies on how to create like click funnels and lead traffic market generating. Like, you know, that's not what we're doing. Like I'm trying to reach guys that are holding that bottle right now going, I've got to set this down and get started. But if you have a guy with a ton of past negative experiences, not just things that happened to him, but the time after time after time where he's tried to mount up the courage to do something and it's only been met by failure because he's already operating from that self-fulfilling prophecy of failure mindset, how would you explain to a guy like that how to begin to reframe his own expectancies when he has a track record full of failure? What's the strategy there? I can tell you how I did it. And when I was at my bottom, I had just wrecked shit again. Um, and, and I'm sorry, cussing. No, you're good. Yeah, you're good, bro. Um, I was laying up at the ceiling after a holiday weekend. I think it was July 4th weekend. And I had been on a bender. I'd been going through that cycle again of self-sabotage. I'd been drinking and doing drugs for months. I had, you know, been to a handful of funerals. Um, and I was in that hole again and I was on probation and I had been blowing UAs for a number of months. This was during the shutdown. Um, I think the only reason why they didn't revoke my probation was because COVID, they weren't throwing people away unless you were, you know, violent offenders and things like that. So, um, I got to a point where I looked at the ceiling. I had, I had been in this cycle. I had been in this pattern. 
And I asked myself why I didn't love myself enough to get well. And then I did, decided that I did. And then I got busy. And I had to learn, I, I started learning more and more about myself. I went back into AA. I went to a VA rehab. And I just committed and dived in. And I had to have hope at the beginning that, that, there, that there was something on the other side. I had a mentor in AA or um, a uh, sponsor for a while. And he's the one who first planted that seed in my mind about subconscious self-sabotage and the stories that we tell ourselves. Right. Um, when I got out of the service, I, let me back up couple seconds when I was in this service I found out that I was really good when shit hit the fan when it was time to lock in and go to work I was dialed in it was like automatic I was just I was good I functioned and performed well in high stress environments and so when I got home I told that story that I'm really good when things get bad so when things got bad and I found myself in a hole I subconsciously started telling myself that, okay, it's time to go to work. This is where we shine. So I would create that loop and I would create chaos in my own life. And then I'd go back into that hero's journey. I'd create my own problems and I'd be my own savior through them. And I'd, you know. <laughs> I get it, bro. I get it. Totally, dude. Like this whole concept of rather than steady uniform levels of success that increase we hit this certain spot and we're like ah oh, this has been good for a really long time bro like this is unacceptable how do i tear this apart bro because we enjoy building from scratch and like getting to this zenith of like hey bro look what i just accomplished kind of a thing yeah. i think the trick in like helping guys get out of that that particular loop which i can see the benefit of how using that would like create you know, energy to succeed. But I wanted to get myself to this place where every time I hit that ceiling on success where my self-limiting belief would kick in, I would, I would be like, all right, dude, ride this for a little bit. Enjoy what you've built and created. Let what you've built and created convince you that you're able to build and create. And then let's go up a tier rather than tear it all down and start yeah. over again. Yeah. Keep those, it's those same habits that got us here. Let's keep going up to that next one. And yeah, that's, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say that, uh, that whole, um, why don't you love yourself question that you asked yourself every once in a while, dude, I'll get this, this, it happened yesterday, dude, I'm sitting on the couch going through social media, taking a break. And, um, this guy comes on, right. And, um, you know, he's got a beard, he's got longer hair. And I'm thinking, okay, like, what's this cupcake going to tell me that I don't already know kind of a thing, you know? And he's like, don't scroll, stop, don't scroll. You can scroll after. And I'm like, okay, all right, I'll hang out for a minute, right? Because <laughs> the attention span for social media these days is if you haven't grabbed me in three seconds, I'm out of here kind of a thing. And he's like, I want you to be honest. And I want you to answer this question. And, it, and you know, he did this whole, put your hand on your heart, yada, yada. So I'm watching this guy and he goes, do you really love yourself, dude? And I'm just sitting in my living room all by myself, me with this, this dude, bro, on, on, on this TikTok video. 
And I stopped and I was like, you know what? That is a damn good question. And I think as men, we have burned into the fabric of our memory every bad choice, every moment of of inflamed sexual passions where we did things that we regret, every moment of where we let ourselves down or we let other people down. And these things stack up, bro, like 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 evidence in a file cabinet, bro. And when you think about that, you're like, no, I don't love myself because people that behave that way don't deserve love. Rather than realizing those that need love the most are probably those who, quote unquote, deserve it the least. And it really got me thinking about that question. If a guy actually gets honest enough to answer that question and his answer is no i actually don't love myself and i i actually don't really respect myself because of where i've been what would you say to shift that mindset or to create a growing self-love within a person how does a man develop that because we can't even love others properly unless we love ourselves. And I have this thing in the back of my mind that's always telling me, you don't deserve to love yourself. How do we combat that? What's the strategy? In my opinion, it's it's awareness. And I believe that your awareness is your superpower. And when you get down that rabbit hole of, I don't love myself. Okay, have a conversation around that. The quality of your question of your life is directly related to the quality of the questions that you ask in it, right? And it starts with the questions that you can ask yourself. Now, it takes courage to address those thoughts. But how many of us, when we're running and gunning, drinking and drugging and finding ourselves and women in bad situations and violence and all this stuff, are running from those thoughts and how far did it really get us? Right. So, you know, it, it's, you've got to confront those and you have to acknowledge them and ask why and where that came from and acknowledge that. And then just say, is that really true or not? Now, in my experience, you've got to have a little bit of dry time to do that. Right. So one, put the drink or the drug down for the love of God. And I had to have other people around me who I could listen to and use other people's experiences. That's what that's what the, our whole message right here. Is yeah. for somebody who has a track record of of madness, so to speak, and negativity, then that's and it's for a long time was my own belief that that's all that existed. So how do we change our outcomes? We got to change our beliefs. But how do I change my beliefs? I have to see examples of of what I'm looking for in order to believe it for other people, and then I have to believe it's possible for me. Absolutely, there it is. Right. Yeah, I like that, bro. I look at my son 
Um, and I tell myself that there is nothing that he could ever do that would stop me from loving him because like it's my kid bro you know what i mean and it's easy to look at somebody else that's struggling and go nah bro like you deserve love you deserve to be loved but yet we can't seem to figure out how to afford it to ourselves and i like that just self-awareness getting honest with the mistakes getting honest with the fact that mistakes don't define us and in fact this desire to be on a new trajectory and change and pull ourselves out and become the one percent of men that actually are now awake and care is enough you know is enough to love oneself that's really good bro you had something in your in your content about meeting fear with courage so i got this little situation going on in my life right now okay um, because I know that the way our brains work, we analyze the past to make determinations about the future, right? So my wife and I have been seriously talking about starting a business, like getting to the point where we are no longer someone else's passive income, but we are now creating our own. And uh, the book sales is actually what inspired me to believe that this is actually a possibility, right? I'm like, whoa, I wrote this book. It's uploaded. I don't have to do any work. People just find it, right? Some guy somewhere in the middle of nowhere like types in books on masculinity. He finds it. He buys three or four of them on Audible just because he's driving down the road. One of mine happened to be one of the choices he made. Every morning I get up, there's money in my bank that I didn't do anything for other than write the book two years ago, right? And I'm like, okay, there's something to this. So now that first jump in in producing this has now convinced me that it's possible. So we're actually thinking about like a full on, like a brick and mortar type business, but there's all these saber rattlings going on right now about an impending recession. Right. And I know that we have to kind of look at truth to make decisions, but whenever we reach for really big things that are way beyond the ceiling of where we've been, we feel that fear come into place. What if it fails? What if the market collapses? What if a recession happens? What if I can't figure this out? What if it's too difficult? On and on, infantitum excuses. And some of them may be valid, some of them not, but the fear is there. Talk to us about meeting fear with courage. I like that. And it kind of goes back to... Uh, it's cool to hear what you guys got going on. It inspires me. So I'm, I'm, I'm in that space again, like we were talking about two years ago. Um, uh, fear and courage. We can look at it a couple different ways. So You'll hear me say a lot of quotes. I just I, I consume so much information. It sounds like just like you, right? Um, heroes and cowards experience the same fear. The difference is their response to it, how they deal with it, right? Um, and so that's that's my foundation of of that statement right there is that we're going to be afraid and. Fear is a, it's a survival mechanism, right? Mm -hmm. At its core, it's, it's a light, it, it are, again, we're ancient prehistoric bodies 
we have fear in, ingrained in us to um, to keep us safe and keep us protected, right? I think sometimes now it's the ego, but we're only born with two fears, and that's fear of being dropped and fear of loud noises. Every other fear that we have is learned and programmed and conditioned into us through our life experience, whether direct experience or whether it's outside fear being kind of projected onto us. Um, so you ask those, you, the, we talked about the questions that we ask ourselves, right? What if it goes wrong? What if this, what if that, Oh, I don't know, I'm not good enough. There's, there's all these, those, those doubts and fears that come in line. So what's the opposite of those questions? What if it went right? What if I succeeded? Where have I succeeded in the past by taking this, this leap of faith, mm -hmm. right? And the biggest, um, it, it, in my experience, way to overcome that fear is through action. Action rids fear, action rids anxiety. The longer I sit imagining the worst possible outcome, the doom and gloom, the recession, the this, the that, the whatever, what we focus on expands. Yeah. Right? So for, and again, going back to seeing examples of other people's success through similar circumstances, mm -hmm. that helps me kind of move forward too. Cause I know that, you know, during the recessions and during the depressions is oftentimes where people make loads of wealth. Yeah. In those downtimes, people find ways to survive or, or innovate or create or, or whatever it might be, you know? And so you can look at things again, going back to attitude as a, as a negative, or you can look for the opportunities. Mm. Yeah. You had something on your, you had something on your content that was like, uh, I'm going to get this wrong. I'm not going to get it right where you said it but like like god honors um when like, like when we're courageous like in a moment of courage like that's when god shows up and like affords a blessing so to speak or gets behind it um, yeah yeah uh i think i know which one you're talking about so uh god will withhold his blessings until we demonstrate the sack to deserve them Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. The sack or your woman sack, you said. Yeah. <laughs> or, or your or your lady sack. Yeah, your woman sack. I totally get the fear thing. I totally get the fear thing as far as like, all right, we we are we are ingrained biologically with this uh self-preservation model that says, okay, let's go through the list of everything that happened wrong. Um, to make it determine whether or not this is a safe enough choice to avoid death, right? There's a line out there. Let's not leave the cave. And um, the subconscious often does not want to open the file cabinet of previous successes to combat that because it's, it doesn't care. Yeah, you won there, but that's not what we're talking about here. You might die. You might die, right? And then you said, you said ego too, but at, going back to the file cabinet, I think it's I think it's the 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 self-awareness and the will of man to say, hold on, we're going to open this other file cabinet because your self, your subconscious is never going to open that. Here's where we succeeded file cabinet. So it's like this dialogue between two people that live with inside of us where we have to open that other cabinet and go, yeah, but look, we took a risk here and we won. And you have to meet that negative information in your subconscious with all the positive stuff that you've done to uh 
kind of get an idea. And when you had said that people have become mega wealthy during recessions and depressions, that Think and Grow Rich book by Napoleon Hill, yes. yeah, he talks about that in there. And I really like the idea of just trying stuff so that you can say, you know what, I'm not going to go to my grave regretting that I didn't. Win, lose, or draw. It's not even about whether we succeed. Obviously, it's part of it. But it's more about not stacking up a lifetime of regrets for things that we didn't do where our gut was like, hey, this could work. This might be the next step to take you from six figures to seven figures or out of this toxic relationship to a woman that doesn't love you to being single for a little bit while you work on yourself and then find the one, you know, like it touches every area, you know. No, I like that, dude. It's good. You had something in there about uh, gratitude rituals. So we're going to camp here for a minute on gratitude rituals, positive affirmation rituals, morning routine, stuff like that. But gratitude for me, I understand it now. I didn't before because now I understand it has to do with energy and energy always collapses into matter. So if my energy is negative, I can expect matter to collapse around me negatively, so to speak. But when I, when I function from a place of gratitude, it begins to open up opportunities and bring opportunities into my life that would not have normally otherwise. And you had something in your content about gratitude rituals. Let's go deep. How does it look and what does it produce? Yeah, it's, uh, it's involved. It's evolved from when I was just starting out to where I was at, to where I'm at now. Um, I think it's definitely a practice. And, and that's been my experience. So I could, to where it started was um, when it was taught to me, like I needed to, you know, like you said, be grateful, an attitude of gratitude. How do I cultivate an attitude of gratitude um, to break this negative thought pattern, negative cycle? Um, how we start our day sets the tone for the rest of the day how if it's whether it's going to be on a positive track or a negative track right um and so for me i don't know I, I'd, I'd be willing to bet that a lot of other people out there especially when things when you're in that hole so to speak as soon as you open up the weight of the world's staring you in the face all of your problems all of your mistakes all of your debts all of your whatever you're dealing with for me was staring me straight in the face as soon as i woke up um, and that's when I was in that depressed state. It was, I would wake up and I would ask myself, okay, how long, how much longer do I have before I can go back to bed? Cause this already sucks. Right. <laughs> you haven't even hit the floor yet. Right. <laughs> and I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> you know? So, so for me, it was, it was tough starting out to think of things intentionally that I was grateful for. Um, so it literally started out for me just saying grateful, grateful, grateful to myself and just repeating the word grateful or gratitude because it, at that point I'm shifting, I'm at least shifting my focus and my, my attention or my thoughts to that area. And then from there it kind of picked up and I can start looking for things. I'm grateful. So for now, my practice is I wrote, I write down as soon as I wake up, you know, I'll go take care of a couple, you know, my business and things like that. My, my, my morning ritual looks like I wake up, I drink a glass of water. Usually it's got my, my vitamins and my, my greens in it now for health. If we're going to talk about that later. We can always talk about that later, but I hydrate first, wake up, hydrate, 
read something positive, personal development. I, I've got a, I've got a couple quotes that are kind of my go-tos. And then I write down three things that I'm grateful for. Ideally, they're different. But for me, sometimes, like number one on my list of gratitude every day is breath. I'm, I'm grateful to be breathing. I got another shot today. That is my number one staple. It never changes. First thing I'm grateful for every day is that I'm breathing. From there, sometimes it's toothpaste and shoes. Sometimes it's the little things that I get, uh, that I take for granted, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then from there, you know, it'll switch up. It'll, you know, it'll be my dog. It'll be the people in my life. It'll be the people that I work with, especially if I start, you know, as you start shifting your awareness to a more positive life and you get more positive experiences, you get more and more to be grateful for. And I think that kind of goes back to what we're talking about is that as I show more gratitude, I put myself in a position to receive. If you think about it, like on a smaller scale, um, if you're a kid and you're whining and crying about the things that you have, do you, do your parents give you more? Do they feel like, all right, well, you don't get anything then. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so same, similar deal. If you show appreciation to your parents, when you have what you have, they're more inclined to give you more things because you're showing that you're grateful and you appreciate those things. I, I like the mindset. I say, I'll, I say pretty consistently what you appreciate appreciates. Ooh, I like it, bro. Yeah. Like house values. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. What you show appreciation for appreciates and value itself. Right. The same thing in people. When you, when you can say, Hey man, I appreciate this action that you, that you took, or I appreciate you being this way. You bring more of that out of people. So whatever you show great gratitude for, whatever you show appreciation for expands in your life, but it also goes with action as well. If I say I'm grateful for something, how am I demonstrating that gratitude in practice? If I say I'm grateful for, for example, my truck, but I'm not taking care of it. I'm not getting its maintenance done regularly. I'm not getting the tires rotated. I'm not cleaning it out. It looks like it's just an extension of my closet. It's just got a bunch of, it's just a, <laughs> it's just a mess. Mm. You know, am I really demonstrating gratitude for that thing? Dude, I like that, bro. That's really good, bro. Cause I get up in the morning and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for my wife. Okay. Prove it. Right. Yeah let's prove that you really are because like that action determines the mindset that you just declared to yourself that you have. Yeah. That actually is, that's actually really good, bro. And it's actually going to create like some more focused work in the areas where if I expose it as a gratitude thing, dude, I better be able to show myself how I'm, how I'm appreciating it in real time. Yeah. It's good, dude. So are you a positive affirmation guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am statements, things like that. Yeah. What does that look like for you? And if you don't, like, there's some things like people, like I did a podcast with this lady in Romania a while back and uh, she had like, uh, uh, what do they call those where you make a wall of like a vision board or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, cool, man. Well, it's on zoom, you know, it'd be on YouTube, like turn the camera and show us. And like, uh, she showed it real quick. And then she's like, actually, you know what? I can't really, I don't want to really show that. And I think one of the pictures up there was like her in a bikini, like she's trying to get fit and trim. So anything you don't like want to share as far as being too personal, but what kind of I am statements are you making for yourself in the morning? And then after you share what you're willing to share, explain to us why that, what's really taking place when we do positive affirmation rituals. Cool. Yep. 
Um, this is this is a like everything else. It's a journey um, on how it works. So, so sometimes affirmations, I think, can can uh, feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. uh, if, especially if it's designed to rewire and reprogram our our brains and our self concept of ourselves, right, into a more positive frame. So my my uh, my affirmations, I can tell you, I can rattle them off for you right now. I am whole. I am complete. I am strong. I am powerful. I am abundant, successful, wealthy, healthy, loving, wise, happy, and harmonious. I like it. That's my list. Mm. It's in the morning. It's in. It's throughout the day. Uh, it's 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 repetition for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's changed. My affirmations have changed, um, all over the years. Sometimes I, I found that you can, that not just uncomfortable, but sometimes it could feel like we're lying to ourselves, especially when we have that track record of crap in our history. And we're so used to telling ourselves that I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That one right there took me to the bottom. I'm a piece of crap. I'm a I'm a homeless alcoholic, drunk. That's why I'm looking in the mirror, and that's what I would say to myself, and that's what I saw, even long before I was there, and that's where I ultimately ended up going. Yep. So, if that part, I had, I came to a conclusion that if that's true in the negative, the positive has to also be true. Absolutely. And if I give it enough time and consistency and conviction and commitment to that, then just as much as I fell off and I fell down, I can, I can see, you know, I can, I can take myself upwards as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's writing it as well. I got to write them down first. And I do those every day, right after I get done with my gratitude, I've got a little uh, journal. You can pick these type of journals up probably for like 20 bucks. Right. Um, it's got my morning routine check marks. It's got a gratitude section. So I write down what we talked about there and it's got my affirmation statements. I can write those down too. Um, I've found that it's helpful in my affirmations, especially starting out into a new direction that I'm trying to take myself with them. Putting my affirmations in more of a growth phrase than an identity phase if that makes sense so i guess what i could give an example from that is i am learning i am growing i am getting better in this area i'm not i might not tell myself that i'm a um a master at this yet or i am that thing mm-hmm. i i, I I'll, I'll dial it back into a more of a something that's more believable for me at that point yeah yeah because belief affects behavior and Absolutely. if you're telling yourself you're a millionaire when you're making $20,000 a year, the disingenuousness of your reality fights against that affirmation actually producing the mindset to accomplish that. Yep. And, and, and I've found to speak, to continue on that point, I've found that it can it can have the opposite effect because it can take us back down into that, uh, you know, look at this kind of deal. Um, your beliefs take your actions. I love that statement. Uh, I, I have this map of that mind track so to speak is that um our beliefs determine our thoughts our thoughts determine our feelings our feelings determine our actions and our actions determine our reality yeah 
And so we have to take it all the way back to that, to that front, to those beliefs. For me, when I got started with affirmations again, you know, like ex-convict, drug addict, you know, grow up rough. And now like some dudes telling me to sit cross-legged on the floor and like meditate. What? Like what, dude? Like, come on, bro. <laughs> but it's powerful in the sense that I, I am a product of 40 years of living on this planet. My mindset, the condition of my mind is a product of 40 years of a lot of it, bro. And not all of it, but a lot of it, bro. Just shit experiences, bro. Disempowering, you know. And now that's my core worldview. It's my core view of self. So I have to start recreating new neural pathways in my own head that begin to define me as something other than what I've always been. And for me, like, just being honest here, mine is I'll sit in the morning and I'll say, I'm a good husband. Like I support my wife and emotionally connect well with her because for a lot of years, I didn't know how to do that. Right. I could work. I could bring home bacon. Like when we were down and out back in Colorado, I lived in my car up here in North Dakota just to get it going, you know, just to make it work, you know, and now we've reached this place where I'm humbled and I'm grateful, but I would also say things like, or I also in the morning say things like, uh, I am a good father. I uh, patiently discipline and lovingly affirm my kids' behavior. I connect well with them. Um, I am a highly sought after public speaker in the area of personal growth and development. Uh, I'm a successful author of self-help books for men. And what I've noticed is when I use those I am statements to declare to my own mind that I embody these things, belief affects behavior. So if I can convince my mind that I am these things, all of a sudden my actions and my behavior begin to align with what my mind believes. So I find myself doing things that I wouldn't have normally done otherwise that are actually progressing me down this journey to become what I'm declaring. And uh, it's powerful, bro. Things where I would have been like, no, that's not me. Like, I can't do that. Or I can't figure out how to do that. The first experience I had was this was um, it was the first personal growth and development workshop that I ever hosted. And it was here in this town in North Dakota and I was like, dude, this is what I want to do, bro. Like, this is such a tremendous amount of fulfillment that I get from this. But I could not, there was all of these blockers in the way of trying to get it figured out. And now it's so simply done and understood on how to do it for me. But before I had convinced myself that this is who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing, there was all these psychological blockers that I couldn't get past. And by telling myself, dude, this is who you are you are this, all of those blockers and those obstacles just collapsed like false walls, bro. And uh, yeah, it's as simple now as just like calling the college or calling the library, renting an event venue space for like 100 bucks or 50 bucks, doing a uh, couple Facebook ads and posting it on Eventbrite and people just show up, dude. And they're actually willing to spend money and like come and hear some dude that they don't know talk about how to build confidence. And like we talked about earlier, no, neither one of us are Tony Robbins, but, um, uh, you know, 6,000 people don't come or whatever, you know, but enough do. And the feedback that we get from this work is enough to help confirm 
those IM statements. Like now here's proof. Now we're stacking proof on them, you know? So now it's good, bro. I like it. So we went through gratitude rituals, um, positive affirmation rituals, what they look like. We kind of talked about self-talk, but maybe we should take a minute and uh, talk about like how negative self-talk keeps us stuck in that place of unproductivity. What are your thoughts on that? Not just in the morning rituals, but all throughout the day. Every time we do something or look at ourselves in the mirror, there's this self negative self-talk. Maybe you could talk about how that's a, a cyclical loop or something that keeps us stuck in that place. Sure. Um, this is so... It's so important that self-talk is, is so important because who do we have 24 hours a day, 365, but ourselves. Yeah. We have to live with ourselves. Yeah. And through positive self-talk, it turns into uh, we get to live with ourselves after a certain amount of time. Um, you mentioned, I, uh, you mentioned here just a minute ago, uh, looking back in the mirror and, and what you see and things like that. There was a, I did a challenge a couple of years back and, and I still practice it to this day from time to time is a, a high five yourself in the mirror. You know, um, I look at myself in the mirror these days and it, where I used to see my biggest enemy, I, I, I look at somebody like my own best friend now. Um, and that's not the result of all the work. I look at myself positively that way because I did that work in the, in the mirror where I, before I even felt all this love for myself, so to speak, I get in the mirror and I tell myself, Hey, you look good today, man. Proud of you. I'll just take a minute and just look kindly to myself. Cause I used to not look at myself in the mirror. Right. There was years where I did not look at myself in the mirror. And if I did, it was with disgust. There's a lot of men like that today. Yeah. And, uh, and so now it's, it's all part of the same ball of wax. I, I look at myself in the mirror and I can look more confidently with myself and positively and loving with myself, but I'll still high five myself. Hey, look sharp today on the way out. I made it a practice to where I never left the mirror without saying something positive to myself. And I've got a whole list. I got sticky notes and I got discipline equals freedom written down and, and dry erase markers on the mirror and shit. And, and um, Part of the part of my self-talk practice is I had to limit distractions. I had to start shutting down the outside noise, um, all the distractions of of TV and 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 football and shows and video games and and scrolling through social media that I had to, that you mentioned earlier cleaned up, you know, um, from being so much TNA scrolling through you know i put the i put the um the res the parental restrictions on my tiktok because i got tired of those stuff. <laughs> I'm, out, I'm here trying to do business and put out good stuff and i'm scrolling i'm like oh, there's a 19 year old chick you know throwing stuff out right you know, I put the parental blocks i put blocks in front of me to keep my mind guarded and healthy awesome and not distracted all these different things uh this going back to the substance abuse and the self-harm and the lack of self-respect and the actions I took to, to abuse myself were all methods of me running away from my thoughts and myself. And I've found that when I have the TV off and there's no music playing and I got a quiet house and I'm doing the dishes or I'm cleaning up, 
I can get to know myself better and I can have conversations with myself and I can acknowledge some of these thoughts that we've been talking about. Um, my my self-talk practice at the end of the day. Now, I thank myself for every, at the same time, I thank God and myself. I believe that we're all connected. Yeah. I believe that God is everything or he's nothing. I don't know if anybody's religious or not, whatever you want to call it, the, um, the universe, uh, the source energy. If, if you believe in God, that's your thing. Cool, cool. To me, it's all the same. It's all one and the same. There's no differentiation. So at the same time, at the end of every day, when I'm laying down, I will thank God and myself for every positive action that I took for that day. And I'm going to sleep. When we go to sleep, that's when our subconscious downloads and it reprograms and it digests everything from the day. Um, so that's why I don't watch, for example, horror movies. And, and I don't listen to, I was a heavy metal and underground gangster rap music fan forever and ever and ever. And now I'm like, dang, I can't listen to that stuff anymore because it fuels right negativity in my mind especially if i had a drink in my hand i'll, I'll regress 10 years <laughs> in, in 30 minutes right i get it bro I do. I'll, I'll go i'll go back to a guy i don't like right, right. <laughs> and, and all this stuff goes away so like so i so like my so for example so self-talk i think one of the best practices in my life is at the end of the day i wrap up with all that and i'll recap the day ask those questions. What did I do? Right. Congratulate myself. Thank myself for working out. Thank myself for meditating. Thank myself for eating well, whatever it might be. Thank you uh, for, for, for having positive interactions for my friends, all this stuff. And then as I'm sleeping, I'm rewiring. You mentioned the neural pathways. I'm rewiring my brain. So in the morning, I'm carrying that momentum from the day before into my next morning. It gets that much easier. Dude, I and like I that. Continue. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, that's awesome, bro. Yeah, I'm, uh, this has been good for me, bro. Like, cause that it's easy for guys to like have the radio on all the time at work or, you know, just be around people like having that moment of like quiet time where uh, I, I see it more in the morning. Like I'll be sitting there with my cup. See, I kill two birds with one stone. Don't tell too many people this. I drink my morning cup of coffee while I do my meditation and my positive affirmations and stuff. And before I get started and actually get dialed in and do it, um, these thoughts will run through my head. And I'm like, dude, I thought I was past that, you know, but I'm distracting myself so much with it. So I like that, bro. Quiet time, letting yourself, you know, answering your own questions of the thoughts that are running through your brain and recapping the day. Also, I would assume in a quiet place and giving yourself the, the quote unquote high five for all the good and all the success from that day um, just so that your brain can process that. And when you wake up the next morning, I think you're stronger, more believing of your own goodness and your own capability to succeed. Now, Anthony, I'm going to tell you this, bro. When I was going through your content, bro, I wrote down like a ton front, front and back, dude. But um, yeah, we've already hit an hour and you haven't looked at the clock once. So I've been doing this a long time, bro. Okay. So I watch for cues and indicators in people that kind of let me know how much more time I can steal from them. But I noticed that you just looked at the clock, right? And then I got to go pick up my son from basketball here in a minute. So we went really long and I'm so grateful that you took the time 
to bring this content. And the beauty of this is I still have two full pages of stuff that we can unpack in a future episode. Would you be willing to come back on the Apex Masculinity Podcast and do this again? A hundred percent. This is, yeah. Uh, again, I can't thank you enough for even inviting me on here. This has been great. And uh, yeah, expanding the, the community and getting to sit with other like-minded individuals with uh, with their own stories is great. So, And, and to, if we can do more content to help other guys out, I'm hundred percent in. Yeah, absolutely, bro. Okay. So um, with that said, if guys are interested in checking out your content, where can they find you? Sure. Uh, Instagram, my handle is high period speed period Johnny. Um, and my email is glover.period.anthony.m at gmail.com. I have a podcast, Framing New Heights podcast, streaming on all uh, all platforms currently. Whoa. So, I did not know that you were a podcaster. Brand new. Uh, we just uh, really we've been recording for about three weeks, and okay. we just uh, have our third um, episode published this week. Okay, perfect. What was the name of the podcast again? Framing New Heights. Framing New Heights. Awesome, dude. Cool. All right, so guys, if you want to reach out, um, check out his content. Uh, he just blasted his email out there. So if you guys are looking to hire for yourself a mindset and personal empowerment coach. This guy's got a handle on it, guys. It's been really good content. I would encourage you to go and check that out. And Anthony, it's been a blast, bro. Yep, I'm excited. It's always good to meet people in the same space that are on the same trajectory. So with that, I'll let you get to the rest of your morning. I'm going to go grab the kid from basketball and uh, we'll do it again soon. Looking forward to it. Have a great one, Nick. Okay.